This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Hey, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb. Before we get started with today's episode, we have a quick word from one of our podcasting friends. Guten Tag. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go With Nugget. I'm Ranyana. And I'm Veronique. We're your hosts and travel companions. Go With Nugget is a new travel podcast for curious kids. Where is Belize? Do kids in India like the things I like? What's a tuk-tuk? In each episode, you'll get to meet the local kids. Hey, my name is Clive. I'm nine years old and I live in Sokopmund, Namibia. Who will take us on a tour of the places they call home. We'll learn about everything from traditional Indian holidays. We celebrate Diwali with firecrackers and sweets. To the special meaning of kids' names. My name, Yindali, means kingfisher. It is my totem. And so much more. 
Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a Go With Nugget adventure. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Grandpa and the twins visited Norway, where they met a Viking named Alf, and together helped the Sami people rescue their stolen reindeer. In the process, Grandpa crashed his snowmobile and broke his back. Alf and the kids rushed him to the hospital, where they found out that he needed surgery and may never walk again. Alf turned out to be a globetrotter and gave the twins a magical brass compass that would point them to the person that could give them answers about the mysterious globetrotter society. And now for episode four, Nigeria and the Brass Compass, part one. It was February, which meant that Grandpa's home became a magical winter wonderland. Frost filled the windows, snow decorated the trees and mountains like icing, and inside, a fire always burned hot in the stone fireplace. Normally, Sawyer and Susie would be outside making a snowman or having a snowball fight around the treehouse. Lately, however, the twins had been spending most of their time helping Grandpa recover from his accident. It had been weeks since Grandpa's snowmobile crash, and luckily everything had gone smoothly with Grandpa's surgery. Thankfully, the doctors were optimistic about his recovery. He was still in a back brace, though, and he'd have to be pushed around in a wheelchair until everything was properly mended. When he wasn't in a wheelchair, someone had to help him walk. Sawyer and Susie had volunteered to come by every Wednesday to help Grandpa practice walking. It usually entailed each of them holding on to one of Grandpa's arms and slowly shuffling down the hallway to the kitchen, where they rewarded his effort with an ice cream treat from the freezer. You're doing it, Grandpa, Susie said as they almost reached the kitchen island. Grandpa grumbled his frustration, looking down at his slippers that slogged across the floor like turtles. Stupid legs won't go any faster. It's like they weigh a thousand pounds each. He glanced over at Sawyer, who was buckling under his grip. Come on, don't fail me now. We're almost there. You gotta earn your ice cream, son. Why is he grunting like that? He can't talk, Grandpa, Susie said. He's been jinxed. Jinxed? What in the blazes does that mean? Ah, 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 careful. Sawyer and Susie carefully set Grandpa down in one of the chairs in the kitchen. It means we both said something at the same time, Susie explained. I yelled Jinx, and now he can't talk until someone says his name. If he does, he has to buy me a soda. Sawyer looked like a monkey scratching itself as he waved his arms around and tried to mouth words. This game was proving to be much harder than he'd expected. 
But he was determined to win. He couldn't wait to show Susie that he could be quiet. Plus, he didn't have enough money to buy her a soda anyway. Grandpa laughed. <laughs> This'll be fun. Finally, we'll get some peace and quiet around here. Sawyer stopped and glowered at him. I'm just kidding, Grandpa said, reaching over to pat him on the shoulder, but retreating once the pain kicked in. I tried. You know, I saw this really great ninja movie the other day. Sawyer lit up and opened his mouth to say something, but Grandpa stopped him. Ha! That was a test, and you've almost failed. He looked at Susie. I give him another ten minutes, tops. That's better than I was thinking, Susie giggled. Grandpa looked at them. Why don't you two go do something fun for a change? You've wasted enough time as it is carrying this old fart around. You know, pretty soon you won't have to worry about carrying me around so much. Grandma's working on something real special. Grandpa's bushy eyebrows bounced. Susie grinned. A new gadget? She could hear Grandma drilling and banging around in the garage. It's a surprise, Grandpa said with a wink. You'll see it soon enough. But go, go follow that brass compass you got from Alf and see where it takes you. I'm anxious to hear more about this Globetrotter Society. Sawyer and Susie looked at each other to see if the other was up for it. Sawyer shrugged and made some grunting noises that sounded like he wanted to go. Susie looked back at Grandpa. Are you sure? How about we wait for Grandma to finish what she's doing and then go? Rubbish! She'll be working on the new gadget for a while, and I'll be fine here on this chair. Go, and take this. He took off a silver ring and handed it to Sawyer. What is it? Susie asked. Something that may help you get out of trouble quickly, if need be. Sawyer tried it on his finger, but it was too big, so he tucked it into his pocket. How does it work? Susie asked. If you ever need a quick getaway, just roll it across the floor. Susie hesitated. She wasn't sure she was comfortable leaving Grandpa like this. You sure you'll be okay? She checked. I'll be fine. Now stop standing there and get out of here. Well, if you insist. Susie grabbed the guidebook off the shelf and retrieved the brass compass from her backpack. As soon as her hands touched the compass, its arrow started to spin. Something's happening, she said, holding it out for them to see. They watched as the arrow slowed and pointed down the hall. The twins followed the arrow that gradually turned and guided them into the study. When they reached Grandpa's globe, the arrow started spinning wildly again. But this time, the globe spun with it. Sawyer silently mouthed his amazement. The globe and compass spun faster and faster and then stopped in unison. The country of Nigeria glowed on the globe's surface. Recognizing the destination, Susie turned the compass over and showed Sawyer the inscription on the back. Made in Nigeria, remember? Sawyer gave her a thumbs up and an affirmative grunt. Grandpa, Susie called down the hall. We're going to Nigeria. Be back soon. 
Sounds good, Grandpa called back to them. If you happen to come across any gold, bring me back some, would ya? Sawyer raised an eyebrow. Susie returned the look. I wouldn't get your hopes up, Susie called. Nigeria's known for some of its rich resources, Grandpa replied. You never know. Grandma could use a little more gold to melt down and finish the circuit boards for my <clears throat> toy. Susie looked at Sawyer. What is she building? Sawyer shrugged. They joined hands, and Sawyer reached out to touch the glowing country. Everything spun, went dark, and then brightened. Sawyer and Susie looked around at their new surroundings. They were in a city, full of square buildings and crowds of people. Susie immediately cracked open the guidebook and flipped to the page on Nigeria. As soon as the chapter was found, the words, Welcome to Lagos, Nigeria, appeared at the top of the page. Lagos is the largest city in Nigeria, Susie read. It is one of the largest cities in Africa and is known for its beach resorts and as being the country's major financial hub. Some call it Africa's Big Apple. Nigeria is a country found on the western coast of Africa. There are 520 languages spoken here, but the main language is English, followed by Hausa, Yoruba, and Igbo. Nigeria has a rich history and culture. The Yoruba, one of the larger ethnic groups in the country, are known for their incredible drumming and musical oral traditions. On special occasions, they wear their traditional clothing, which consists of block-printed fabrics with geometric shapes. Polygamy is practiced in many Yoruba families, which means that some of the men have more than one wife. Sawyer pointed with surprise to a new line appearing under the paragraph. Susie read it. The Yoruba believe that twins bestow happiness, health, and prosperity upon their family. Twin birth rates are high among the Yoruba in some villages, and some of them believe that has to do with their diet that is rich in okra leaves and yams? Susie looked at Sawyer intrigued. Maybe mom and dad ate a lot of yams. Sawyer mimed a person cramming yams into their mouth, and Susie giggled. The sound of drums echoed down the street. They looked and saw, sitting at a street corner, a group of colorfully dressed people playing tall drums. They must be Yoruba, Susie said, nodding to the group. She and Sawyer bobbed and swayed to the fast rhythm. It was almost impossible not to want to dance to the music. Even Sawyer was getting into it, copying the kicks, punches, and squatting dance moves of the woman by the drums. Look how fast their hands are moving, Susie said, pointing to the drummers. I can barely see them. Sawyer? Susie whirled around but didn't see her brother anywhere. Sawyer? She finally saw him, sitting next to the drummers. One of them had let him borrow their drum, and he was pounding on it and bobbing his head like a rock and roll star. He sounded terrible next to the other drummers, but they didn't seem to mind. They smiled and nodded at him encouragingly. When the song finished, everyone around the group clapped and Sawyer came running back to Susie's side. I think you found your new calling in life, Susie teased. <laughs> Sawyer pretended to spin drumsticks in his fingers and blow them off as if they were smoking. 
Susie laughed and shook her head at him. She glanced down at the brass compass and noticed that the arrow had stopped spinning and was pointing the direction they were to go. As if to confirm her thoughts, the words, Follow the compass, faded onto the guidebook's page. It's saying to go that way, Susie said, pointing in the direction of the arrow. Oh, but I'm starving. You mind if we grab a quick bite before we start our search? Sawyer gave her a thumbs up. Did somebody say a quick bite? came a voice behind them. Sawyer and Susie turned and saw a Nigerian man smiling behind them. He wore a bright blue and yellow shirt with a cool geometric pattern on it. On his head, he wore a blue cylinder hat. I can get you food if you are hungry, the man said. Not bad dance moves, by the way. Thanks, Susie replied awkwardly. Sawyer gave the man a questioning look. I think we can find our own food, thank you, Susie told the man. The man gave them a slight bow. Please, allow me. My name is Farouk. I am known around these parts as the food man. I can get you any Nigerian cuisine you want, and fast. His eyebrows raised in anticipation. Sawyer looked at Susie and rubbed his belly. Fine, Susie relented, but only because you're fast. Bring us the best of Nigeria. She went to hand Farouk some cash, but he held up his hands. Oh, it is rude in Nigeria to deal with the left hand, Farouk said, a look of disgust on his face. It is considered unclean. From now on, it is best not to use it to shake hands or hand anything to anyone, okay? Susie apologized and switched the money over to her right hand before extending it again. Much better, Farouk said with a big smile. He took the money and ran over to a yellow van parked nearby. Stay right here. I'll be back before you can say, how you day? Susie raised an eyebrow at the strange phrase, and Sawyer almost tried to see how fast he could say it, but caught himself. As if reading their minds, Farouk said, It means how are you, in pidgin English. I'll be back in a few. I think we may have just been robbed, Susie said out of the side of her mouth. But to her and Sawyer's surprise, it seemed as soon as Farouk had left, his van was skidding to a stop in front of them. The door slammed shut and he came running around the van, holding two plates of food. Stunned, the kids slowly took the hot plates from him. That, Farouk said, pointing to Susie's plate, is gari, a classic fufu dish made from mashed yams. I got this from the other side of the country. It is the best Nigeria has to offer. Do you have a fork? Susie asked. No, Fufu is eaten by hand. Farouk motioned to his mouth with his fingers. Sawyer mouthed Fufu and Susie interpreted. What's Fufu? Fufu is a classic dish in Africa, Farouk explained. It is made by mashing starchy food like yams or plantains with hot water. It is good, huh? Susie raised her eyebrows. Mmm, very good, she said between bites. Farouk nodded to Sawyer's dish, which was already half gone. He obviously likes it too. Cheeks bulging, Sawyer nodded and gave him a thumbs up. Glad I could be of service, Farouk said. Be safe and enjoy your time in Nigeria. 
And with that, he hopped back into his yellow van and drove off. Susie held up the compass. Well, I'm stuffed. What do you say we get back to our search? Sawyer nodded, and together they started in the direction of the compass's arrow. After a few minutes, new instructions appeared on the guidebook. Follow the compass to Abuja, it said. It's like the compass and the guidebook are synced up, Susie noticed, glancing between the book and compass. Their magic must be working together to help us find Gabriella. Sawyer and Susie followed the compass and used two Globetrotter tickets from the guidebook to take a lightning-fast bus trip to Abuja. When they arrived, the compass guided them through the city to Assel Rock, a huge gray monolith of a mountain standing tall in the heart of Nigeria. The massive steep rock looked out of place in the otherwise flat landscape. Sawyer thought it looked like humongous aliens from outer space had thrown a rock at Nigeria. As strange as it was, it was beautiful and a welcome sight after being in the busy city of Lagos. Following the compass, Sawyer and Susie found a trail at the base of the rock and started the hike up to the top. The thin trail cut through the grass, winding between trees and over the gray rock. At one point, something fell from the sky and landed on Sawyer's forehead. He went cross-eyed trying to look at it and then blew it off. A long feather drifted off his head and floated to the ground. A black feather, Susie said, quietly getting lost in her thoughts. She and Sawyer stared down at it and then slowly looked up at each other before turning their gaze towards the sky. More black feathers were floating down from the top of the rock. Following the feathers, the twins ran the rest of the way up the trail until they reached the top. There, sitting on the flattest part of the mountaintop, was a run-down, square building, about the size of a gas station, and sticking out of it were huge antenna, satellite dishes, and radio towers. Lights blinked up and down the towers, and the satellite dishes swiveled. Parked in front of the building were a few hang gliders with wings made from black feathers. One of the glider's wings was damaged, shedding the feathers that had landed on Sawyer and Susie. You don't think, Susie started to say, and Sawyer nodded and made an mm-hmm sound. They both glanced down at the compass that, to their dismay, was pointing directly at the sketchy building. Okay, here's the plan, Susie said, now whispering nervously. If this really is a black feather hideout, then Gabriella is probably being held prisoner. Sawyer pretended to be a sly witch and cackled quietly. No, there's no way she works for them, Susie answered. Sawyer shrugged and gave her an anything's possible sort of look. Susie scouted out the best entry point. We need to sneak in, rescue her, and run back down the trail before anyone notices. She spotted a side door just behind the gliders. We'll go in there. Come on. Sawyer and Susie crept over to the building, pushed their backs up against the wall, and waited for the security cameras to turn away. As they did, the twins quickly opened the door and tiptoed into the building. The inside was dark, and it took a minute for their eyes to adjust after being outside. 
Once they did, they could see a large room full of computers, dimly lit by only a few fluorescent lights that flickered on and off every few seconds. Black feathered jackets hung on rusty hooks on the wall. A dozen people, men and women, were silently working at the computers. The sounds of their rapid keystrokes filled the room. From her hiding spot, Susie could see the computer screens. Images of faces from all of the world flashed across the screens, and next to each one, under a name, were paragraphs of information. Susie watched as the workers copied the person's info, which appeared to include credit card numbers and other personal details, and paste the information into an open folder on the computer. Once the information was copied, the worker pressed a few buttons on their keyboard, and a black skull flashed over the face on the screen. Susie was confused. She didn't know what the workers were doing, but it didn't look good. She looked at the compass. It was pointing to a door in the far corner of the room. She nodded to it and Sawyer gave her a thumbs up. Staying low and in the shadows, they crept through the dark room. They passed close by the feet of the workers, and at one point a bottle of soda was knocked off a table and landed on Sawyer's head. Sawyer held his aching head and looked at Susie, mouthing a painful yell. <laughs> Susie desperately waved at him and whispered, No! Begging him not to make any noise. Sawyer directed a glare at the clueless worker before they continued their crawl. They passed a few more cubicles and were almost to the door. Just a few more feet. Suddenly, the door behind them swung open, letting in a flood of sunlight. Like vampires, the workers shriveled back into their desks and groaned at the intrusion. Sorry, sorry, came a voice. Sawyer and Susie quickly scurried like cockroaches for cover in the nearest empty cubicle. Didn't mean to interrupt, said the voice. I've brought food. Susie glanced around the wall, and what she saw made her brain do a flip. Farouk? Farouk, the food man, was handing out hot dishes to all the workers. Ah, you'll love that one, he told a woman. That is fresh Eba, all the way from Calabar. Clearly not impressed, the woman took the dish and set it down next to her computer. What is he doing here? Susie whispered. And how did he get here so fast? We used Globetrotter tickets. She shook her head as she watched him hand out his last plate of food and leave. Sawyer poked her and pointed to the other door. Susie agreed, and after shaking off the confusion and making sure the coast was clear, they carefully crept over to the far door and slipped through it. The next room was even more dark than the last, and a couple people were actually talking in here. The twins ducked behind some barrels in the corner and listened. I am not going, said a woman's voice. You don't have a choice, Gabriella, said a man. The boss says you are needed at the other station. Your work here is done. No, I am not helping you. I've shown you all I know. Get up. Susie and Sawyer could hear a struggle and feet shuffling. Then a door somewhere in the room opened and slammed shut. The twins jumped out of their hiding spot. That was Gabriella, Susie said. Sawyer glanced around the room for some kind of weapon they could use. He picked up an old keyboard laying around and waved it like a sword. 
Not going to cut it, Susie told him. Sawyer deflated and tossed the keyboard aside. Come on, we have to go after them, Susie said, running for the door. Outside, they could see in the distance a man and a woman strapped to one of the black feathered gliders. The man was running towards the cliff edge, picking up speed. Gabriella! Susie shouted after them. The woman shot them a surprised look. The man, however, continued staring straight ahead as he ran for the cliff, his black feathered coat flapping behind him. Susie pointed to a nearby glider. Hop on! Sawyer's eyes went as round as baseballs and he shook his head vigorously. Susie pushed him toward the glider. Too bad! We've got to save her, she said, strapping him in. Once he was secured and mouthing no over and over again, Susie turned the glider towards the cliff and started her takeoff run. Up ahead, the man had already made the jump with Gabriella. Susie charged after them, her feet pounding the gray rock as they picked up speed. They reached the cliff and she jumped. A gust of wind caught the feathered wings, lifting them with a fwoomp and the harnesses tugged up on their chests. Susie's legs whipped back behind her. Beside her, Sawyer flailed around and let out silent screams as if he'd just been thrown out of an airplane. <sighs> Susie was impressed that he'd managed to honor the jinx after something as crazy as this. How does this stupid thing work? Susie said, struggling to figure out the glider's controls. She pushed on the bar in front of her in different ways, and they found themselves swerving wildly through the air. Sawyer directed his angry, silent screams at her. I got it! I got it! She told him, finally getting the glider under control. Carefully this time, she leaned into the handlebar, making the glider bank left. She could feel her insides spin as they made the steep turn. Wind blew in their faces, and trees blurred under their feet. They were gaining on the man up ahead, who was turning towards a thick forest. Sawyer's panic turned to sheer horror as Susie pitched the glider down to gain speed. Up ahead, the man's glider slowed and disappeared under a canopy of trees. Sawyer and Susie were still a good 30 seconds away. As they made their approach, Susie pulled back on the bar, slowing their descent so they could stick the landing. But when they reached the trees, they were still going too fast, and they were too high. Crack, snap, wham! They broke through the branches and landed hard on the ground. Oh, are you okay? Susie asked, unstrapping herself and helping Sawyer out of its harness. Sawyer groaned and struggled out of the glider. When they got to their feet, it was too late. They're gone, Susie said in disbelief. A cloud of dust hovered over the dirt road, and they could hear the faint sound of an engine driving away. Susie looked at the ground. We failed. Susie couldn't believe they'd come all this way for nothing. Now they'd never know about the Globetrotter Society. Sawyer nudged her and pointed to the guidebook, grunting like a caveman. <laughs> Susie opened it back to the chapter on Nigeria. Words slowly appeared on the page. Follow them to Calabar, it said. Susie pulled the brass compass out of her pocket and held it up. The arrow spun a few times, then slowed 
before stopping and pointing down the road. Hey, Rocketeers, thank you for listening to this episode of Grandpa's Globe, which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. I want to personally thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, who is my editor and helps clean up the writing and make these stories great. Mom, you're awesome. Thank you for everything you do. And I also want to give a personal shout out to some of our Rocketeers, Matthew from Alberta, Canada, Caleb and Christina, Elizabeth and Elijah and JJ. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting the show and for telling your friends about these episodes. Rocketeers part two of this episode is coming up in just two weeks, so stay tuned to hear how this story ends. Until next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.